Hey Queen, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm your host, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because no human being has all the answers. Except maybe Oprah. That's true. And Cher, she's got a lot of answers these days. Um, yeah, she's been giving it in her uh, interviews lately. She really has. She's been just talking straight up. But I mean, look, she's, what, a 72-year-old empress. So at this point, what has she got to lose? Nothing. We are husbands. Yes, we are. We're going to be celebrating our two-year anniversary in like a month. Oh my God, honey, what are we going to do for our two-year anniversary? Hopefully go out of town somewhere. Yeah? Yeah. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh my gosh, anywhere in the world? Yeah, why not? I mean, we're not actually going to be able to like probably follow through with that at this <laughs> point in time. I really want to go to Lake Titicaca. Oh. I just think it'd be, first of all, I'm dying to go back to South America because it's incredible and we've only been once. Yeah, I'm dying And to do that. I just think it's a tremendously spiritual and potent energetic place. I mean, Lake Titicaca is incredible. There are still people that live on the lake. Really? Like whole tribes and they don't live on the land. They have these like whole communities built on the lake. Yeah, but you don't go there and like spiritual tourism it, right? You just kind of go and like enjoy your own, you know what I mean? Like we're not going and embedding ourselves with tribes people, are we? I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> but, you know, maybe. Maybe. I mean, if they welcome us. I will say the people that we met in Peru and in Chile were very welcoming and they wanted yeah. to share their culture with us. No, that's true. I mean, I would definitely like to go back to South America, but I think at this point in time, if I could go anywhere and I'm really afraid of saying this because I feel like it's about to trigger you, but I'd really like to go to Australia. What do you mean you think it might trigger me? <laughs> we were recently just looking at our, um, you know, sort of uh, where our listeners are and we found out that we have a nice little chunk of listeners from Australia. So I, I just want to say to all of our listeners in Australia, we are so grateful for your support. And I apologize that I have such a great time working on this accent. And I'm sorry if it's totally <laughs> offensive. But it really comes from deep place in my heart. And I just want you to know that I'm working on it because I celebrate your culture. And I'd love to come and visit and maybe work on the accent a little bit more. If you are one of our Australian listeners, we would love to hear from you and get a rating of one through five on Brandon's Australian accent. Okay. I don't need any more shade about the accent. I also want to go to that like huge spiritual rock that yes. Oprah went to. Yes, I want to go there too. So I don't recall what it what it what its name was, so forgive me, but oh, I can't remember. But I will remember before I book the flights <laughs> to go. And we have some time because we're definitely also not going to Australia in like two months. No, we're probably not going to go anywhere except for like Joshua Tree or maybe we'll go to like San Luis Obispo. Well, that'd be fun. No, well, it would be. Um, so how are you doing, hon? I'm doing good. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. It's been a very busy week. I started my tarot and vino class down in San Diego. Congratulations. Which was amazing. And I just announced uh, my tarot and vino class in Los Angeles that's going to be starting on October 18th. So I was oh, working very hard just to get all the promotional materials ready and just kind of blasting it out there. So if you are in Los Angeles and you would like to spend three Thursday nights with me learning the art of tarot and Sipping delicious wine and eating delicious food in this beautiful outdoor garden space at Spoon Fed Kitchen and Bake Shop in Hollywood. 
then um, check our Instagram and there'll be more information about that for you. That's exciting. Yeah, I am just loving it. It's really exciting to step into this space of being a teacher. And it's not just tarot that I'm teaching. It's like through tarot, we're really unpacking how to explore your intuitive and psychic gifts, basic spiritual practices, how to clear energy, how to ground, how to protect yourself. It's really like my introduction into witchiness. So it's been really fun and just really great to make these skills that have meant so much to my life just really accessible to people. Right, right. So that's kind of what's been going on with me. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. And what's going on with you, my love? Um, Well, I feel like I've come back to earth. You seem like you've come back to earth. uh, like a good almost two months in production mode on uh, the movie Bad Hair that I'm producing that Justin Simeon wrote and is and directed. Yeah, I no longer feel like a production widow. <laughs> no, I'm back. I'm I'm in my body. I'm in my flow again. It's feeling nice. Um, but it was such a fun, exciting experience. I'm very, um, you know, I just can't wait for everyone to see this movie at some point in probably the future of next year. Yes, 2019, the yeah. year of bad hair. But it's good. I'm feeling, um, you know, really grounded. I'm feeling motivated to sort of get moving into like the next phase. And I'm also um, really like just coming back to my sort of spiritual self, which I'm really loving. I mean, I, I'm really proud of myself because I was able to keep like a good like spiritual practice through the whole course of production. You meditated every morning. Every morning. And I just felt like I also really like had a spiritual mentality um, going through it all. I was able to really try my best to like hold presence for myself and for everyone that I came into contact with, which was like a really new thing for me. And it just, I felt like I was able to really sort of like see a lot of things in a new way, in a clear way. And people receive that from you because everyone said like your job was to bring vibes (laughs) so clearly. Yeah, and it's just nice to sort of um, just be in a place of spirit again. I was actually just listening and I know we just say her name, everyone, if uh, you're listening to us for the first time, get used to it because we say her name a lot, but I was listening to Oprah's. Oh, Oprah, (laughs) who's she? I know, right? uh, Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, and I was listening to one of the in- her interview with uh, Carolyn Miss. Oh, Carolyn Mace. Yeah, who, um, if you've never heard of her, she has she has written many many books um, that encompass all types of uh, different subjects in spirituality. Um, most notably, one called Anatomy of the Spirit and Sacred Contracts. Oh, and Sacred Contracts. Yeah, but um, in listening to their talk. What I was really touched by was, you know, Oprah was talking about how um, back in the day when they first interviewed her and they were talking about spirit, that everyone in the audience looked like a deer in headlights. And Oprah actually like stopped the filming and asked everyone in the audience, like, do you all know what I'm talking about? Like what we're talking about here with spirit? And some woman in the audience like stood up and went, no. (laughs) (laughs) So she asked Carolyn to like define spirit. Oh, and um, so she basically said, it's the part of you that's seeking meaning and purpose. It's the part of you that is drawn to hope. It is the light in you. So your spirit is the part of you that feels like hope. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I just think for anyone who is just sort of even maybe for the first time kind of trying to understand what the hell is spirituality? Um, I think that's like a really great way of encompassing it. And And so I think even for myself, 
I am really feeling connected to spirit in a way. Um, and hearing her definition of that uh, just helped me even solidify that because I am really feeling in a place of hope and in a place of like of light and being with light right now. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm holding to that. So we're the gay part of you that feels like hope. Oh, that's the spiritual gaze. Welcome. (laughs) All right. Well, we just want to dive in. Yeah. We don't want to talk anymore. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, had, uh, the opportunity to do a really fun and exciting interview with our friend Lena Waith, who came into the spirit room um, she, you know, she's an Emmy award-winning, uh, writer. She's an actress. She is a producer, um, an LGBTQIA activist and, and icon. icon. <laughs> um, and she's just also an incredibly lovely human being. Um, you know, we had a lot of fun getting to talk to her, obviously about her work, but also just, um, sort of touch on like sort of what spirituality is to her. We talked a bit about her. And her relationship with her lovely fiance Alana, who is also a friend of ours, who we adore. And um, yeah, we're just really, really um, happy that we had the chance to speak with her. And we are just very excited for you all to hear it. It is time for this episode's Spirit Talk. Lena, welcome to the Spirit Room. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We're very excited to have you. I'm happy to be here. I've been in this room before, but I'm happy to be here in this capacity. Yeah, yes. when all the spirits have been called in. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, we did a whole incantation before you arrived. Oh. There were rattles. And oh, perfect. All types of things Now I'm imagining that happening. Yeah. <laughs> Noche is very instrumental in, in well, that process. And everything. Uh, but thank you so much for coming and yes. chatting with us. So, of course. Here's the thing. I mean, we've known each other a long time at this point. Mm -hmm. I was sort of trying to like pinpoint, but I feel like through uh, the illustrious Justin Simeon, Uh we just kind of fell into each other's lives Mm -hmm. around the dear white people of it. Right. Of it all. Yeah. I can't really like think of the moment. But we knew each other before that. Yeah. Because we just sort of be around each other because, you know, at stuff. Yeah. For sure. But it was really when we went to, I feel like, yeah. go to Minneapolis and make Dear White People. Right. And like specifically, I remember a dinner that you and I yeah, had. Yeah, we did. And we kind of just like. It was bond- a great dinner. Yeah. And like, I feel like you and I really bonded and I got to like know more about like just who you were and your mm-hmm. life. And same. I felt like that was like the moment where our sisterhood was mm-hmm. formed, fully formed. Yeah. And brought into existence. Yeah. I remember yeah. a night in Minneapolis in your hotel room and you were a little sick and oh, you drank yeah. some of the devil's nectar. Some I of that did. Slow and, low. <laughs> and we were putting together slow the looks low. for like the extras oh in the film. God. And we were just like, That's we just life. had sex in the city on in the background. And oh, you and I connected over our like deep Ooh. love of the, of the spiritual gospel that is sex in the oh city. Oh my God, we did. Oh my God, that we night did. we had to put those damn lookbooks. Together. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> We've come a long way. Dear white people. <laughs> Is the is we are the product? Yes, we're born, this, we're this the children. trio yeah. born from Lord with <laughs> Brandon was in, and yeah. it was amazing. Uh, I'll never Lord. forget that I 
was driving home from teaching a yoga class. Oh my gosh. And I had auditioned for the role in Dear White People, but then I needed to tape for it again. Yeah. And all of my self-sabotage and my like old stories came up and I wasn't going to do it. And you got on the phone because you and Angel were together in Minneapolis and you said to me, and I will never forget oh this as long gosh. as I live, you said, Brandon, you have the blood of Cher running through <laughs> your veins. <laughs> you go and you tape that audition. I did. And I went over to my friend's house and I did like 20 takes and it was somewhere in the middle where I just had a complete emotional breakdown. Wow. And I was like, I don't know why I, know I have you to did that do this and blah, takes. blah, blah. And it was the take right after that emotional breakdown that was the one that I ended up sending out and that got me the part. Yeah. But it was I, because, because wow. I wasn't going to do it, Lena. I was going to give up on myself and on my dream. No. So even, even then. You were already inspiring oh the gosh. children to pursue yeah. their dreams, to get free. Wow. Well, that's amazing. I didn't know you did it that many times. But yeah, like, it was a lot of times. I just was like, Brandon, like, come on. If this is what it means, like, do it. Let's go. I was in straight up producer mode. You were, yeah. I was like, Brandon, get your ass <laughs> out here and do the damn tape. I was just like in a space. I was like, poor Angel probably like, you let me talk to your boyfriend like that. Thank you. But no, it was helpful. I was just <laughs> Cause like, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I was like, he needs to be like, this is, this is his part. And so, yeah. And that's why I was really proud when Justin saw it. And I was like, Oh yeah, th th this is it. Mm -hmm. Let's get him out here. And it just, I'm so grateful that, that you did that and that you let me. Oh my gosh. Yell at you I'll never forget that. it. The blood of share run it through my veins. I say Jesus it to myself Christ. all the time. That's a classic Lena Waite yes, thing. And I'm just glad that you received that and, you know, taped the fucking thing. <laughs> is it, it's interesting to me, and I wonder if you experienced this, that like there's a lot of resistance that kind of like crops up when you're about to do something like really important. Mm. Like mm -hmm. there's like, like that was a really big moment for me. Mm. And you would think that like that's when like everything would have opened up. And yet right. that's when I felt the most resistance. Like I was so close to the finish. No, I, I remember. Was like, no, fuck it. I know. And I I'm know. just wondering like, have you ever had those moments where you feel like the resistance crops yeah. up right before like you're going to do something really big? It's not resistance for me. It's more like there's this excitement is sort of a, it's too simple of a word, but this adrenaline, mm. that's more what it is. Um, or even like before, like right before something comes out or because that's the thing is like working on a thing forever, like the shy and then that coming out or an adrenaline rush like before Ready Player One came out because that was obviously a really long process and, and, and not knowing what it was going to be and mm -hmm. Uh, sort of, you know, surrendering control in that way because I'm like, I'm, I'm just a player in that. Like, I don't know, I don't have any, you know, say over how this turns out. Uh, but even like The Shine, like that was my first TV show where I didn't have as much power as I would have liked. So I'm like, ugh, I hope people receive this well. I hope I'm getting across the thing I want to get across. And um, and even like right now with the things that I have coming, like with 20s, we're about to shoot that pilot mm -hmm. first week of October. Yay. Yeah, man, it's been a long time coming. I wrote that script before The Shy. So many mm -hmm. people don't even realize that. And then um, and then this movie, Queen and Slim, which I'm really excited about. And just even the adrenaline to begin that journey and all that's going to come with that. So that's really what the feeling is. It's like this this excitement, this adrenaline of 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 birthing a thing because mm. it's almost like that's what it's, it's like it's like you you get pregnant with an idea then you you let it marinate for a few months or whatever it takes to get a thing done and then mm -hmm. you give birth to the baby and then you show the world this baby that you've been thinking about and dreaming about and and that to me is 
it's a, it's like it's like giving somebody a gift. You know how you get excited about giving somebody a Christmas gift because you're like, oh, I hope they like it, or oh, I hope you want to see their reaction. Yeah. That's what it's like to to premiere, to be at the premiere of The Shy, or to be at the premiere of Ready Player One, or um, be at the premiere of Dear White People, or or things like that. Because you know, like I've made something special and cool, and I hope you guys think it is too. So that's more the feeling I get. That's why I always I'm always like on this like 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 this sort of high in a way of like because I'm always creating things and I can't wait to show it to people. Mm. That's my relationship I think with my art and also my my community or the world. Yeah, they're all offerings, they're all gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so mm-hmm. beautiful. It's a beautiful way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've always like, just been you're impressed. Gonna like this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> like this gift. That's, I picked it out real good. I mean, yeah. I was just gonna say I've always just been so impressed by how I feel like yeah, resistance hasn't really felt like an energy I've seen from mm-hmm. you, um, even yeah, from knowing you. I think all oh, yeah, of, no, way yeah, back when. yeah, and all our circle of friends. I think we've always none of us have been surprised at like what you've done and been able to accomplish. And I mean, I'm a little surprised sometimes at some <laughs> of the things. <laughs> I'm sure, but it it makes sense because you've always been like a star. And oh, thank you. You know, you have, and I think you have always like also really been someone who's inspired people i think mm. the blood of share running through the vein story you know like things i think anyone who knows yeah. but everyone who knows you i probably have like five of those i know i have like five oh of those my stories gosh. oh I, yeah please 75 of those stories so who knows what i've said to angel <laughs> over the years he needs it, he needs it. I look i receive it okay it's I all received. in love it's all in love I'm in well yeah but also too i think like we'll have like lunches or dinners or something yeah. like that and so yeah we 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 yeah we get deep and I, those things do come out of my mouth in some weird way no it's beautiful though but i'm i'm, I'm kind of curious like because yeah I've, you've been that way since you've at least since i've known you mm-hmm. here but have you always been that way even like as a kid like or growing up were you always kind of like the hype the hype person for everyone <laughs> right. growing up i mean yeah I, I think i definitely i always tell alana this um as she's always because i always say like if i was a kid now i would definitely be on medication they'd be like give this child <laughs> something to calm her down because i definitely i was like like super like hyper and like literally climbing the walls and like running around um so yeah i've always had like an abundance of energy and I don't really know where it comes from. It's just, maybe maybe it's because I'm creative. Maybe it's because I, you know, have always been a big personality. And it's funny because my sister wasn't like that. She was always very like shy and and, and timid and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I don't really, and and my mom was not, is not this over the top person. Uh, My grandmother had a big personality, Mm. but I just always, I don't know. And it wasn't this thing of like starving for attention either. Like I wasn't needing people to look at me, even though I was a ham, but I'd be a ham for myself. I'd be Mm -hmm. a ham for my sister. You know, I'd be a ham for, you know, my grandmother. Like I didn't need the world to like say, oh, you're cool. As long as my mom, my sister, my grandmother, my aunt, like thought I I could make them laugh. Like I was cool. Mm -hmm. So I think that level of like, you know, not needing people to approve of me except for the people that were in the house in which I lived I think speaks it and I still in a way like now like I care more about what Alana thinks about what I'm doing or my behavior or this and that than I do the world and I think Mm -hmm. and then and and so by chance then the world kind of goes oh okay we like that and I go okay cool or they may go oh I don't like that and I go okay that's fine too like you know what I'm saying (laughs) and so I think for me that's sort of that's where it was always born out of it was just like i always want to i never cared about making the world laugh but just people that i cared about yeah yeah and then in essence that then maybe 
like translates to other people. Well, and it seems like it translates to other things too in your life, mm-hmm. like the not caring, like, you know, obviously we saw like the speech you gave on the Black Girls Rock mm-hmm. and about freeing yourself yeah. and, you know, talking about how you cut your hair and right. not really caring about, you know, sort of how making people comfortable mm-hmm. and all of that stuff, which feels like so on point with just who you are and, and how you sort of present out into the world not sort of like giving a fuck per uh-huh. se. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because I think, you know, and one, I think, too, with locks, like, I think everybody has a very different journey or Mm -hmm. the journeys look different with them. But, you know, because for me, I started growing them right before I moved out here. Like, that was very much a part of, like... Oh, wow. You know, oh, it was part of also, like, in laziness, where I was like, How, who's going to do my hair? So, I don't know. I'm like, I was going to let it lock. <laughs> and um, that also was in that space. I was like, oh, I want to lock my hair, you know? And and I started it. And so, it was such a part of the beginning, a new beginning for me. And, and you know, and I've been out here now, Jesus. Like, you know, I moved out here in 2006. So, oh, wow. yeah. So, I think... At that point, and I came out here with the intention of conquering the city. Like you had that in yeah. your head. I was like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go run the town. Mm. Not just live in it. And and that was like what that was my that was my thing. I was like, I'm gonna go out there and like run that town. And like just yeah. And and so in essence, like I kind of it started to like happen. Like little the little by little by little by little. And not that I run it yet, but I'm a it's I'm coming. very aware though that I'm a like a I'm a it's player. Coming. You're I'm on the player. court. Yeah, I'm a sure. player because like I think especially this past Emmy weekend, obviously there's a lot of parties I was invited to. I was just really exhausted and working a lot, and so I was like, right. well, oh, for I the can't. Emmys and stuff. Yeah, I was like, I can't, you know, do a lot. And also too, last year I was you know on the campaign trail, uh, but so this year you when were I'm, on the stage. Oh well, thank you. I'm very grateful that I made it to the stage. Uh-huh. But um, there was something interesting about going to the night before party, which is a very you know um, important Emmy party. Which it was actually a really lovely one where they they raise money to uh, you know to take care of you know Hollywood's you know aging you know stars and people mm. in the business, which is I think really important. Um, so. So I I go to this party where everybody's at, like all the nominee everybody goes it's like this really important I mean Jeffrey Katzenberg is there you know Viola Davis Jeffrey Wright all these people um, and, and all your friends yeah exactly and all the basically <laughs> in every nominee in every category it's just it's almost like a requirement so and so I was invited I was on the committee uh, to, uh, this year and so. And I went, and I went with my friend Tiffany Johnson, who's like my oh, favorite. You know, I saw her getting those lashes put on. Looking oh, honey, gorgeous. honey, by the by the illustrious Nia Jervier, of course. And so, and I just kind of, you know, no makeup, had on a hat, and uh, you know, threw on like some thermal pants and some like uh-huh. dress shoes and like a black tee and a blazer. Here we go. And just like you know, like let's go. And we went, and I and it was so funny. Tiffany was, like, it's like you're like an elder statesman or something coming <laughs> back, because like being at that party, having won an Emmy the year prior, like there's a level of of comfort and a level of confidence that I have when I walk mm-hmm. into the room and to be able to see Sandra O oh and for her to come up and be like, oh, we had, to, by the way, me and Sandra O oh had this amazing moment because of her being a first and me being a first yeah. last year. And, and I just, you know, poured into her and I was just like, don't walk in there with that burden. Just like slay the red carpet and have a good time because mm-hmm. you've already won. And I think that was my mentality last year. It was like, well, no matter cares what happens like i'm the first like african-american woman to be nominated in this category and that's huge and i hope that there'll be someone else that will follow and luckily there was stephanie who was nominated for her episode of atlanta Mm -hmm. barbershop which i thought was genius um and so it was great that i got that victory but that like me being at that party and you know it, it was a it was a fun experience last year obviously as a nominee but returning this year um 
it just felt like a homecoming almost. And it was a reminder of who I once was when I came out here and who mm. I am now. And uh, and just the way I was received, you know, in the room, you know, because there's that thing of, you know, when you go up to people or me sort of you kind of wait for them to be done talking with other people. And there's a moment that Sandra O oh saw me waiting because she was talking to someone. I said, I'm going to wait over here patiently. And she looked she made eye contact and, and like excuse she's like excuse herself from the conversation and like made a beeline. And I was like, oh, man, this is like real. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. You know, like John Ham like stopped and like said, hey, what's up? Or like Viola was like, oh, hello. It was just like there was this thing of oh i'm a part of the senior class now mm -hmm, you know and mm -hmm. uh and it felt it felt good and it felt right and I, but now there's still this thing of this is just chapter one like now i gotta there's so many things i, I feel like i have to get done and i want to do and i want to accomplish and and so even though i've had a really great career thus far and i've accomplished a lot of things i still feel like it's just the beginning you know and so and that's also to the, the thing about the chapter with the hair is that i there's so many things and memories and by the way i still have my locks i have them at my house but oh really yeah because because like those locks were on the cover of vanity fair yeah you know i had those locks when i won my first emmy you know and uh i had those locks when i was at the met gala you know and, and the rainbow cape so mm -hmm. i like to me those locks are a part of my journey and and a part of these moments that i hold dear and that other people hold dear as well or those locks were featured in the thanksgiving episode so i i hold on to that but now i think cutting the hair was like okay and now this is the queen and slim chapter now this is the yeah. 20s chapter now now this mm -hmm. is, you know, um, the boomerang chapter, you know, which I can say because that announcement will be out on Monday. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is to me, that's what it, it, it is and what it's about. It's about every chapter I want to level up, you know, or the marriage chapter, you know, and the, the kids chapter. Like there's so yeah. many things I still want to do. And but now doing it with a, a different look and a different vibe and a different outlook on life. And does it change like when you see yourself in the mirror, it reminds you like, oh, this is like Lena 3.0. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also there's a level of, you know, looking in the mirror now I can I really am forced to look at my face and mm. see myself. And and there's a there's a level of beauty that I didn't see before, you know, that mm. I'm like, oh, like, oh, there I am. And there's a there's a new confidence, newfound confidence almost. And also there's a new there's a new level of like it's a different kind of swag because it, there is something more boyish about it and 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 so there is something a little bit more mannish boyish about my personality now because of the cut and and also too just in the way I carry myself and and um and the way I and I always liked wearing hats but like now yeah. I wear it's a different kind of vibe and energy um and I just I, I really love it. Or just even like, when I'm in the shower, like there's this there's a freedom to cutting your hair. And mm. I know a lot of women have, have, have spoken to me about that. And I, I totally agree. It's 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 amazing. I highly recommend it. Anybody's thinking about it. Truly. Yeah. I mean, I'm ready to shave my head, actually. So Do it. You've you just inspired me. You know yeah. I love when you shave your Come head. Come on. All right, baby. Yeah. Let's do it tonight. <laughs> Let's do it tonight. Uh, <laughs> yes. But I think, I mean, you said the freedom thing, and it just does take me back to that speech. And, like, the mm -hmm. piece of your speech, I mean, obviously, anyone who's listened to this and has heard your speeches, like, mm -hmm. they make me cry every time they probably oh, make everyone gosh. cry who watches them um and i cry every time i watch them but Aww. basically like that one and the whole piece about like freeing your narrative mm. i think was like such a powerful bit of it as well because mm. that is really like something i think that we talk a lot about mm. too is like the stories we tell ourselves oh, yeah. are the lives that we create mm -hmm. so you know the idea of like telling a room and i was like so it was so amazing too you could hear like just on the video of watching mm -hmm. it everyone in the room going like mm, you know like it felt 
almost wow. like an enlightened. They had aha moments. Wow. Yeah, it felt enlightened. I'm curious if just in, in that experience, did you have people who like came up to you like moved by those spe- specific words? Um, well, it's interesting because when you're up there, it is mm-hmm. hard to like, you know, hear or oh, feel, okay. you know, what's going on. I But I knew, and here's, I have this thing that whenever I give a speech or I know I'm gonna go up and say something, I, I feel like that is a privilege. And I think that a microphone is more powerful than a grenade. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we have to you know, be mindful of how we use the microphone. And I also, too, I'm just never a fan of getting up in front of a stage and just saying a, a series of thank yous right. or things like that. That's just not who I am. And I also love it. I look at it as an opportunity to speak to people and to 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 speak truth to power yeah. and to, like, really maybe try to give a word to someone if I can because there's no really greater gift than that. And every word I give is a lesson that I've learned or a thing I've thought about. I can't speak to you about something I haven't gone through, experienced myself because I'm the words are empty. So I think the thing about the narrative thing for me was that I like to create a positive narrative for myself. You know, I'm always thinking like I want to change things like I want things to be different after I've after I'm gone that's the that's the narrative I want to be the person that Alana believes that I am like Mm. that's the narrative that's what I want my narrative to be and it's not always an easy one to live up to or to keep but I feel like if that's my narrative then I'm gonna I'm gonna try to live up to that and I think some people have a narrative of oh I'm never gonna do that or I don't know if I can start this career now. Or oh 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 oh. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if someone else out there knows what I'm talking about. Been there, done that. Okay, got it. No. You know, <laughs> or or the narrative is like, well, my family won't like this. Um, or you know, my narrative is like, I you know, I'm always gonna be single. Like whatever it is, you know. And I think I'm just trying to tell people to let go of that because it's really just the story you're telling yourself. And when you change your story, then your experience will shift and it'll change and it'll, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll change. And I know that's actually a hard thing to do because for some people, your narrative is in your DNA, Yeah, you know, because you're, you're, you're adopting your parents' narrative and they have their parents' narrative. And so at some point you have to change yours, you know, like Oprah Winfrey changed her narrative, you mm-hmm. know, her narrative was already written. You know, it's like someone can say, this is where you're going to go. This is where you will wind up. And she's like, nope, mm-mm, I'm going to write a different story. And and I think Maya Angelou's narrative, you know, changed. Like yeah. James Baldwin's narrative changed. You know, it's like it's like you have the power to change your narrative. And even if you, no matter what scenario you're in at this very moment, you could be living in your car. You know what I'm saying? You could be working at T-Mobile. You could be, you know, watching your, your, your friend's kids, you know, mm-hmm. to make extra cash. But if you really want to change your narrative and say, oh, I want something new. I want to turn the page on this chapter then then it will be done. And I also believe what you tell the universe you you want and what you're going to do, it will challenge you, you know, it'll test you. But if you really are clear in your intention and in your desire and in your want, then at some point it will bend to your desire. Yeah. Mm. So you got to tell it. You got to you got to when you walk out to the world, whisper to the wind the things that you want and 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 talk about the person that you ultimately want to become and who you want to be. And then you don't have a choice because you're making a promise to yourself. And if you break promises to yourself, then 
there's really there's really not much anyone else can do. Yeah, that's like the ultimate betrayal, right? Absolutely. To you. That's what people are afraid of speaking what they want. Because when you say it out loud, then it becomes real. Mm-hmm. So I always say, don't be afraid to open your mouth and say, I want this or I will do this. Because it's kind of funny because, and I'll tell this story because I was talking to, I can't if I remember if I was talking to Tiffany or Dime, but I said, <laughs> when I got nominated, I think I said, I said something like, what if I get nominated, you know, for an Emmy? And then and then I said, what if I get a standing O? <laughs> and, and I think somebody was like laughing, like oh, a classic Lena. And um, <laughs> and then, and I, that's why, and I can't remember, and I'm sure when they hear it, they're going to be like, Did you talking to me, bitch? You're talking to me. <laughs> but um, if, well, but maybe if, they were both in the room. I know, could have been. But <laughs> I was just like, what if I get a standing O? And I just threw that out there. And then the night when they called our names and people stood up, it was a bigger moment for me because I had already spoken it into the universe. Mm-hmm. Is that 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 like if not only if I get the thing, but that the room will stand up, you know, because I had spoken that. I was like, yeah. why, how, could they, how could they not? Like, that's like a big moment. And the thing is, is like and then I was grateful for it because it gave me a chance to breathe. <laughs> I'm always right. like. And just to, to to gather myself to be able to speak, but um, it's it's just little things like that. You Did know you remember I mean? that in that moment when you got up there, like, oh shit, I said this. Um, I maybe like after the fact, <laughs> right. but but that but but Tiff and Dime were watching at and and, and Ashley and Courtney yeah, yeah. and you know Nia, the whole crew were watching the Emmys at my house, and 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 so and I don't think only only Tiff and Dime knew about that standing O thing, but I think that must have fucked them up. To watch that after I had said that they're probably like this bitch just be speaking shit, oh, but it's man. also funny. But Dime also said the thing to me that was actually really powerful, which is when you say something, it comes true, and and um and I really appreciate that. But I know that I'm not the only one that has that power. I think when at when all of us say something, we have the power to make it true. So it's like be sure to speak your truth to power, and don't speak something on your life that you don't want to come to light. Like, how did you learn that lesson though, or did you were you just born with that mentality um you know what it was a thing that like i saw happen in my life like there's there's an interesting thing when me and my sister well we shared a room a lot of our lives even when we got our own rooms i used to sleep in her room uh but when we moved to evanston we had to share a room again because we when we were living in my grandmother's house and how old were y'all i was 12 okay. when i moved to evanston so we we were living in my grandmother's house. There was more room, so we had our own rooms. But at one point, we were little, really little. We had to share. So then there was a point where we like my mom was like, "Oh, well, Lauren can be up here, Lena can be there." So I, we had our own rooms. Then we moved to Evanston. The place was smaller. We had to share a room again. So you know, she's like fourteen, I'm twelve. So it's like you can only imagine. Mm. But anyway, but we were fine. We were cool. And Lauren, being fourteen, like really being, you know, it's like a typical teenage girl, had all these posters of like all these people, and so our whole Every single piece of our wall was covered by a poster of somebody. (laughs) So you walk into our room and it was like Tony Braxton, Boys to Men, like Escape, like SWV, like, you know. And then I finally, my mom should have knew I was a lesbian. My little Uh part of the wall was like Whitney Houston, Tyra Banks, (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) Naomi Campbell, Holly Berry, Vivica Fox, all these these people and stuff. And so, and the funny thing is, is like, and these were the, so we we were in this room for like a couple of years. Like, you know, people were like, what? People would walk into our room and go like, oh my God. But it was dope though. It was lit. But the thing is, is like, 
the, all those po- and there would be like a poster there was also this poster this movie called Dancing in September that aired on HBO with so Nicole Ari Parker and Isaiah Washington about these like that Reggie Bythewood who I ultimately ended up working for uh, wrote about these two black telev- this black television writer and like her writing this sort of Amos and Andy type show and it ended up being like bad and it's just a whole thing wow. so I, ha- I ripped that out of a magazine and posted on my thing and then ultimately I ended up working for Reggie Bythewood now it's right. his writer's assistant I'm just aware that what you think about you bring about and these are the people I used to like think about all the time you know and and also too like I'm working with like one of my one of my closest friends is Deborah Martin Chase who mm-hmm. is the woman who went up to Whitney Houston and was like there's more ways to make money than singing for yourself or like come on let's make these movies girl let's do this mm-hmm. da, da, da. and now Deborah Martin Chase and I are like so tight and we like this and that and like it's just it's it's I just know it, it's not a thing that I had to learn or somebody had to tell me. It's like I saw this happen in my life. Like to go from watching, crying and watching Holly Berry in my little room by myself win that Oscar and be a first to being on a stage myself giving a speech to people and being a first, you know, with the Emmy in my hand. Those two things are connected. You know, you can't tell me that those two things right. are not, there's not a string connecting them. And so that's why I just know it to be true. Like that's the thing when Oprah says, what do you know to be true? That what you think about will ultimately appear in your life. If mm. you think about it enough. And also too, you can't just think about it and sit and dream about it. I'm totally right. aware that I'm very driven. I, I work harder than most people I know. And I'm always like, you know, always thinking and working and being strategic and blah, 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 blah. But I also know that when you when you really want something bad enough, it'll come. It's just a matter of when it comes, will you be prepared and ready for it? So, because a lot of people say, oh, how could you get on the enemy stage and just speak that? Because it's like, I have been preparing my whole life for that moment. So when yeah. I walk up, like, it's like, let's go. Let's make it a moment. Well, it will, certainly was a damn moment. I remember us watching it here. Oh, my like, gosh. Jumping up and down, Angel full on ugly. I know. I think somebody sent me video. The ugliest (laughs) cry. Somebody sent me video. Oh my gosh. It was beautiful. Oh my god. Beautiful. I'm proud of you. I couldn't. Oh my. I mean, I believed it. It's, like, it was nuts, though. It was. It has nuts. to be crazy when it's somebody you like know. Yeah, I can't imagine. But the most amazing thing, Lena, and I just like want to say is like we've known you for a while, mm-hmm. and you have not changed at all. Like, oh, who you no, are, thank you, love. and that's the amazing thing about you is like as a gay black woman mm-hmm. that you've always owned yourself completely. Mm-hmm. And teaching other people of color, other gay people to own themselves completely. Yeah. Like it seems as though you haven't had to work with shame a lot. Like no. you just, you came into this world and you were like, this is who I am and this is fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is I didn't know how to be anything other than who I am. And also, too, I think I I also didn't walk into the business thinking I would be a public person. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That really was never yeah, really a part of my plan. Yeah. So I think that helps me, though, because I think if you come into this town like saying, oh, I want to be a person that is going to be in front of a bunch of people. There's a mentality that you have about, okay, well, I have to be presented this way. I have to do this and da, da, da. And I always was like, I just wanted to write. And I still, that's still my first goal. So <laughs> right. like, I didn't uh, think that I had to like pretend to be something or that I wasn't. When you're writing, you you have to, you, it all starts from truth. Uh, and also when you go into generals, you're taught to like tell your story, be yourself. Right. Like that's all you have to offer. So when I went in and sat down with Alan and Aziz, um, to just talk to them because it wasn't the first thing wasn't an audition they were like we just want to talk to interesting people and I'm very grateful that Allison Jones 
like said, oh, then you should meet Lena. Um, so when I went to Aziz's house and I, I just was, I didn't know how to be anything other than myself. And I talked to him about, I had just fallen in love with Alana. So I'm telling him about that and I'm being my typical lesbian self and I'm just like goofing around. And, and then I left that meeting and they were like, okay, they want, now they want you to read. And, and I did, and I was very much myself and also my writer self. Cause I said, Hey, can I punch up the sides if that's cool? And they were like, sure. And so I'm like hitting Aziz with jokes that he isn't expecting and he's laughing and Alan's chuckling and this and that. So it was like, I got that job by being myself. And then they said, whatever this is, we want to put it in the show and make it a part of our, our series. And, and, and that's how I sort of became introduced to people and as, as a version of myself. Mm -hmm. And, and I always knew that who I was, was special and who I was, wasn't like anyone else. And I liked that. I like being like unique. I like being from Chicago. I like coming, being that I'm from a, you know, you know, a, a single parent home. And I like that I was raised around all black women. Like if I, like literally I was in a house full of black women and that's really what inspired, I think the Thanksgiving episode and not just the coming out, but the, that, that was my experience being right. around women. Those like people at the table. Yeah. Like my grandmother, my mom, her friend, you know, and, um, and me, you know? And so is I just always would eavesdrop and listen. And, and I think, those things make up who I am, like my family, my city, um, and then also the culture I'm a part of, like which is sort of a hip hop culture, a black culture, a, a, a queer culture, and I, and those are all things that I really embrace and I like about myself. And but I'm also like discovering things about myself all the time, and also enjoy playing with fashion, and that's something I'm really you know excited about and I enjoy. But it's also a thing that I just I just feel I like to do. I don't think much about it, and then people all say, "Oh, I like your swag," or "I like this." I'm like, I'll just like grab a thing here, grab that, grab these, and say, "Okay, that's cool," or "Is that that." That's fun. You know, why not? You know, um, and and people just seem to kind of go, oh, I like that. That's cool. And I go, oh, cool. Great. You know, but I really just like being as much of myself as I possibly can, because I don't know how to fake the funk. And and also, and I feel really comfortable, you know, because I cut my hair. I've been wearing less makeup. And so I like kind of going out like I don't have any makeup on right now. I didn't wear mm -hmm. any makeup to the night before a party. Um, I didn't have any makeup on at Black Girls Rock. And and it's fine. Like nobody yeah. died. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like it's cool. Yeah, like, you know, oh God, what are we going to do? She's going downstairs with no makeup. I know. You know, I had Ava's makeup on my face, but, yeah. um, oh, yeah. you know, which is always an honor. But. You know, I think even that kind of throws people off like, oh, OK, you know, I'm like, yeah, I got a facialist. We take care of the skin. We keep it moving. You know, feel the skin, darling. You know, feel the skin. Feel you know, so feel skin, all of it. Honey. Come on. This is realness. So <laughs> I don't know. I think I just sort of I'm always just trying to be my most authentic self, you know, all the time, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. And um, and I always feel bad for those that I see out in the world who I think aren't always being their authentic self or trying to be what they think people want them to be. I see it constantly, particularly in the queer black community where they're like, especially if they're in the public eye, or like, well, let me be feminine now. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, girl, you don't want to wear them heels. You don't want to be in that makeup. Right. Like, but I do. Okay. I know. You do. Put them on, because that's fun for you. Some of these chicks, I'm like, you <laughs> no, don't want to be doing that. And I see them. You know, I ain't going to call nobody out, but I'll be like, girl, child, please. Like, you don't want to <laughs> be wearing that hair like that. Like, but they, but, but the, the sad part is you're right. I think it is shame. It's this thing of like, well, no, I can't be. You know, and it's interesting, and I and I hope I don't think she'd mind me sharing this, but at the night before a party, I met Kate McKinnon, who I'm like, come on, like I'm obsessed with and yeah. I love. She's so genius. So we got to meet and we exchanged information. And she was wearing this really cool suit. And I was like, Oh, you look 
amazing. And she said, oh, no. <laughs> no, she's having like, an allergy. No, she's exactly. like, ooh. He's like, you haven't mentioned Somebody me give me some so tissue. Bless show. you, no. no Stop throwing shade you. at Kate McKinnon. Oh, no. So <laughs> He's a Leslie Jones. So, oh, look, as am I. As am I. So Kate was in this really cool suit, and she was. She gave me a hug, and she's like, I'm wearing this suit because of you. Wow. And I said, what? She said, yeah. She's like, I always felt like when I came to these things, I had to wear like a skirt or a cocktail dress oh, wow. or heels. And she had on flats and, and, and a suit. And I was like, are you serious? And she was like, "I seriously? She was like, you've inspired me to to understand that I can be dressed up without being in a dress. Mm. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, well, I was like, well, one, you look amazing. And I was like, and thank you for saying that and sharing that with me. And we just had this really cute, like, and I just like fawned over her about some other stuff. <laughs> but I just really, that made me feel, I felt very honored that, that she said that because I don't know how to wear a, a heel or a skirt. I just wouldn't, I, don't, I wouldn't do it. And also too, there's a thing I learned, um, uh, from some friends that just went to Wimbledon that in the president's box, a woman cannot sit in there unless she's wearing a dress or a skirt. Wow. And I said to someone, I was like, well, that is discriminatory against someone like myself who is masculine presenting or who yeah. maybe identify as genderqueer. Um, and, and I had no idea. But but they were like, yeah, it's old school and it's, you know, the sport and how it goes. But I was like, then... I wouldn't sit. I could, I literally, I Lena could not sit in the president's box of Wimb of uh, uh, the U.S. Open. I'm sorry, right, not Wimbledon, right. or I don't know, maybe same with Wimbledon. But um, but yeah, th there's still little things like that that you know threaten to attack the way people present and walk through the world. And I just don't give a fuck. I'm like, let me. Where's the seat just outside of the president's box? <laughs> exactly. Perfect. I'll sit there. <laughs> yeah. You we know, still say I, I, I like to think outside the box anyway. So. But I mean, that's also, I think, then not only what allows you to inspire like someone like Kay McKinnon, but then obviously also the like, I don't even know how many thousands and thousands mm. of like little gay, queer kids out there. I mean, what is that experience like? I mean, you've sort of been catapulted into being sort of this like icon mm. of, of certainly that specific community. Um, I think, you know, certainly the Emmy speech, obviously, mm. with the superhero and the cape. And then, of course, the cape. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, was I epic. Mean, um, thank you, Caroline Herrera. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, but what is that experience like for you, too? And do you, ha I mean, I'm sure you just have so many young people and uh, people of all ages mm. coming up to you. Like, thank you so much, thank you so much. Like, is there a pressure to that or is it just come with who you are already authentically um no there is a pressure you know and it's one that you know you welcome but it can be dangerous because then there's this thing of when people put you in that icon space then there's this weird thing of an expectation that you can't make a misstep mm. or that you shouldn't or that you and i think that's the thing that I, I think a lot of people in the public eye and some are good at it and some aren't, but it's the thing of trying to ask the world, so to speak, like to allow us to be human, mm. but they, but they need heroes. So therefore we are the heroes in which they desire. So therefore they created us. Mm -hmm. um, and cause I just exist in the world. You know, it, I don't, I don't make myself an icon the pe people say oh because of this that and this thing which people can like literally point to the moments they can say the emmy moment the vanity fair moment the yeah. gala moment, and they go those things we feel make her like it put her in this space mm -hmm. and so it's weird because the truth is and i'm just a person trying to 
create things that I think are important or interesting or I'm trying to just write what I believe is true or, or tell stories that I think need to be told. And then in the process of the in success, then people say, oh, well, see, this is where you belong. You belong in this place. And and then but that all that stuff happens outside of me. I don't really have anything to do with that. So. I'm just trying to, you know, live my life and go to 365 and get some <laughs> organic stuff here and there and, you know, take care of my dog and try to, you know, be a good partner to my to my fiance. But but for the world, it's like, well, no, we need you to be this. We need you to be this for us. And I totally understand that as well, because people, you know, need people to look up to and they need people to point to and people to relate to. And I think sometimes things can get a little mixed up in that because the, the person then gets lost in it. Because they don't get to know who I am every day and talk to me all the time. They just see these moments and go, oh, and then put that on their their vision board or their screensaver. And then it becomes, and I become more of a fantasy and a myth and less of a person. Mm -hmm. So so that can be difficult. Um, but I do really appreciate the space in which I take up for certain different communities. Because I, I was at the Miguel concert last night. And I was trying to walk out and a person, this gentleman, like shook my hand and he didn't introduce himself or anything. And he just said, thank you for existing. Mm -hmm. And I said, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And I think and that really like hit me in a space of I think that people needed someone like me to exist. And I didn't realize that I was needed to be that person. Um, because you don't know you, you don't, when you're just trying to make art, you're trying to make stuff, and, you know, because for example, I have those people like, please, like I'm a Whitney Houston, uh, like aficionado mm -hmm. and never got a chance to meet her. But I, luckily I got to see her perform live, but she was just a girl from Newark, you know, right. who wanted to sing. But for me, she was hope in a bottle on a Sunday afternoon. Mm. That's what she is to mm -hmm. me, you know? And um, she's royalty on a day off. And yep. and uh, and that's outside of her, you know? She didn't know that. She wouldn't know. She, there's no way she could know what she meant to so many people. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think she ever intended to mean that much to people. I don't know if, like, Madonna knows how much she's impacted you or shared or how much she's impacted. But she we, will. She will at some oh, point. She will. Let I mean, her blood is running through your veins. It is. It still is. It still is. Yeah. I haven't had a blood transfusion yet. Come on. <laughs> so I think that for them, would they be flattered? Sure. You know, would they be honored? Yes. But they somewhere living their life at this moment. Yeah. You know, Drinking trying diet, to be Dr. Pepper and sweatpants <laughs> on her king size bed. First of all, the diet part of the Dr. Pepper is what gets me. <laughs> I know. She loves it though. She I mean, I like a regular that. Dr. Pepper, but you know, I get it. Calories. Um <laughs> yeah, she's really gotta watch. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that's the thing it's like this happens outside of your being because we're all like we're all made up of the same stuff you know we all are the product of two human beings that came together to bring us into this world and and I think when we realize that because I always say it's like if somebody's it's, it's just thinking about humility it's people say how do you remain so humble and I say I think a big part of that is I'm a believer in God and and also I have a, a fiance that keeps me quite humble but I also think too if you ever start to feel yourself go stand in front of the ocean mm. and realize how small you are yeah you know and how you just are a part of this universe and 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 you should be contributing something to it um and I think that's all all of us are trying to do. And that's all I'm trying to do, but I, I but I'm doing it on a stage. That's the only difference. 
And and I always say, if you go to a Beyonce concert, yeah, Beyonce is cool, but what is she if there's no audience there? Mm. Right. Like there's, it's not as just a gorgeous woman. She's a gorgeous woman in a beautiful dress, slaying on stage. (laughs) You know what I mean? But the uh, the people that make up the audience are actually making. That's the the, that now you have a a concert. Now you have an experience. The reflection. Yeah. So the audience members are just as significant as the person on the stage, and I think that sometimes in our society we we seem to forget that. We think no, the person on the stage is the money. It's like, but. But that person on the stage doesn't exist without all the people that came to sh- that yeah. sh- showed up. Yeah, they need your vibration in order to fully. Vibrate There's no at performance their level. without an audience. Yeah, which makes me think about the creator, whoever he or she is, and mm-hmm. how we're all reflections of that. Absolutely. Because what is the creative source without all of these different experiences of what that is? Like we reflect back to God or the goddess or the universe, like all the different potentialities Mm -hmm. of what that can be in form. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we are on a show called The Spiritual Gaze. Yes. And you are a spiritual gay. Go on. And so we are just curious. We wanted to draw you out a little bit just about like, you know, growing up amongst a lot of black women Mm -hmm. in a very religious household and how your experience has been, you know, growing up religious and then finding your own personal relationship with spirituality. How has that evolved for you? Well, the funny thing is, my fa- I always say my family, I come from a family of lazy Christians. <laughs> um, and I always say I'm really grateful that, you know, my mom couldn't throw the Bible at me when I came out, but just because she couldn't find one in the house. Right, exactly. Um, and, and look, and I and I don't mean to say they're bad people. It's just, I just, my, and it's interesting because my grandmother was from the South, but for some reason she just wasn't, she wasn't that person. She just didn't like, got to go to be in church every day and this right. and that. She just wasn't that person. But she, you know, but she, she believed in God. But, and I always say, look, I keep 100. I'm grateful that, that I didn't, it wasn't like that holy roly because then it, coming out would have really been hard. For sure. Um, they were just more like, you know, middle slash working class black people that cared about what the neighbors thought. So that was more their issue with everything. Um, but, so, but for me, but there was a time like when my mom, I was about like 12, 13 and, and she really kind of decided like, you know what, I'm going to start taking y'all to church every Sunday. She kind of had this like this this New Year's resolution mm-hmm. and uh, of like I'm gonna start trying to be better about it because she really was like y'all don't have no real relig- y'all just out here you know even yeah exactly but we knew a little bit but I think she was hyper aware that like I've not if I'm gonna if y'all gonna have us any religion I got to like do something about it <laughs> so, <laughs> so so she so she started making us go every Sunday and we went and we went to church on the south side of Chicago and so we had to make the 45 minute drive every oh, Sunday damn. it was a whole thing did you but, have to dress up. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, because it was that kind of church. It was like an uppity, like black church. Or something. So we did, and but you know what? I didn't wasn't mad at it. Like I was like, okay, cool. And it was actually time that we would spend together on Sundays, and so there was that. And I think, and we did it for like a good like couple years. And she was like really like you know adamant about it. And um, and I think when I moved out here, because I had gotten in the practice of just going every Sunday, you know, it's true. I didn't like she wasn't forced to read the Bible or like do, like pray or anything like that. But she was like, you on Sunday, like. You're gonna go do that, and mm. um, and I when I came out here, I was like I went I would go to church on Sunday and and try to feel a sense of home and like understand like yeah this is a part of the routine, and I don't have a home church anymore now, but there would be time like I would like go to church every Sunday like all the time like and um and and I remember uh, my fiance was like oh like this is like she's like going to church. but but I think it was really important for me I think being in this business and wanting to find that you know, having just a foundation that was 
because to me, I'd rather worship God than show business. Mm. You know, and I think and there are people yeah. that I think worship the business, and and I just just really have a belief in a higher power and in the spirit, and just that things are connected and we're all connected, and and also I but also I do also believe in the the, the art of writing, and and I believe in art in general and in its power to connect us. Um, and, and movies, you know, it's like to me, I, I love the movies and I love television. I love characters and I love, not, there's nothing better than a beautiful scene or a perfect joke or a person getting a laugh. Like that to me is a religion in itself. Mm. And, mm. and it's also almost like this other religion that I'm a part of in a way. But for me, believing in God just reminds me that I'm not the most important thing on the planet. It don't matter how famous I get or like how much money I make. At the end of the day, I'm 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 still a child of God, not just a child of God, but I that's what I am, and and that always humbles me and reminds me that you know like I'm not perfect, but I'm not you know I'm not this this higher human, you know I'm I'm it just reminds me that I have more in common with like just everybody and we all have so much in common because we all want to be accepted we all want to be loved we all want to feel content we all want to be happy we all want to make our parents proud like we all have so much in common Mm -hmm. that like we just have different jobs and we have different things that we do Mm -hmm. but i think that religion it just is it it really does give me this it's it's a center that i can always find and it's a north star that i can always look to and and I ju- it just sort of gives me a sense of peace that I think maybe not everybody has. And do you talk to God? Do you pray? Or? I do, yeah. Sometimes, depending on what the, what it is, but I also think too, just my thoughts are prayers. You know, everything doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be like, dear God. You know, it's me, Lena. Um, <laughs> but I I you know like. You know, there are little ones like, you know, I pray that like, you know, Alana gets home safe. I pray that, you know, uh, you know, a friend, you know, gets the part they're going for. I pray that, you know, people receive my art in the way it was intended. You know, it's like things like that. Um, You know, I pray for the homeless man. I walk by, you know, and, and think about his parents and hope that they his or her parents and hope that they know that their kid is alive and well, even though they may not be. You know, and uh, in in the in the best of situations, like little little, they're just like little. I, I think thoughts can be prayers. So I'm always, I think maybe I'm I'm praying more than I think. Um, but I try to always also just keep certain people in prayer and as much as I can too. It's beautiful. Mm. So religion, Alana, are there other things that sort of keep you grounded in the sort of craziness of what has become your life? life? <laughs> I mean, love has, I think, like changed you in a really mm, good way. Too. Certainly changed what you eat. Oop, I know. <laughs> well, that is some truth. I know. I was old school today. I had some in and out because I was late. But no, but I know Alana. Alana is like that. That's how we're. It's funny because yes, we were very opposite in that way. But then, of course, I mean, like you're with somebody for four years, you start to adopt. Yeah, Angel's uh, had to be a vegetarian living in this house. Oh, because I ain't cooking no meat. Oh. What, are you a full vegetarian well, though, or like ish? No, well, he no, when, is. when I'm not around, he's not. But. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've been living on set life for two months, oh so I've been God. living off like. Oof. Yeah, I sent him a picture of food I was eating. He was all, "That's disgusting." Oh, he sent me <laughs> a chicken carcass. It wasn't that and bad. Was like, no, just no, no, visually, just like, it was for like me a chicken to have carcass. To look at the oh. chicken carcass. I was like, "Please don't invade my mental landscape with those sorts of things." Oh, well, you didn't God. believe I was on lunch break. Okay, <laughs> I have to show you the receipt. Here's the receipt, bitch. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, well, I mean, please, Alana's also had, like, such a, yeah, huge impact on that, but that, well, that's the, that's our big thing that we're so, but we also have very, me and Alana, I think, realize how different we are, we're, like, different people, 
Um, but then we also have like these a bunch of similarities as well. It's a hot thing. But we're also both Toreans. She's oh born gosh. in the same year. Mm. She's May second. I'm May seventeenth, nineteen eighty four. That is crazy. It's a little nutty. I always tease her and say, "I've always loved an older woman." Oh, I'm sure she <laughs> loves that. She does. No, but you respect each other's differences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. which I think is important in a healthy relationship. Like, yeah. I respect Angel's differences, mm-hmm. like the way he Y'all approaches certain things. Yeah, yeah, and we have a lot of similarities. Yeah. But we also approach things very differently. Completely. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, and one of the big things that I learned in relationship with Angel is like, I can't expect Angel to approach things or do things the way that I would do it. That's good. Because if I do, I'm just setting myself up for disappointment. Nah, that's good. And you love me beyond that. Honey, you know I love you for everything <laughs> that you are, and you show me different ways to do things. Mm-hmm. You know, just because yeah. like this is my the correct way. <laughs> it doesn't mean right. That's that Taurus that's, rising. That, that's, up, that's, right? also, that's also a lot about the okay. way. Right? <laughs> like the way I do things is the right way. Exactly. You'll get it. I always tease her and say she's bossy. She's like, no, I have strong leadership skills. <laughs> <laughs> she is a little bossy one. Uh, I bossy her, pants. Okay. I, know. I can be. I can be bossy I too. Look, I, I mean, look. Mm-hmm. Every you got to have the yin and yang, man. Exactly. exactly. You know, but I'm bossy in other areas of my life, so I think it's like when I come home. Like, and you're a boss in other I areas know, of your life. Okay? I know. It's like, I try to be a good boss, but you know, sometimes you, you got to show your teeth. Okay, hello. I feel like on. you give good gifts. Yeah. Oh, I do. Well, you would like important. understand personal days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because like I used boss. to be good. Cause I, and I think I'm appreciative because I've, I feel like I've lived a bunch of lives, even at like 34, but yeah. just being an assistant and like doing all that kind of stuff, I think it, it's made me a good boss, you know, because I'm like, I've done that job. I've been there and I want to be a better boss. Now, mm. no shade to my other bosses, but I try to like say, what would, what boss would I have, what would I have wanted when yeah, I was an yeah. assistant? And I think I try to give that to my assistants. Yeah. Totally. And you pick and choose as I think as you go along the way, like, oh, I'll take that from you. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely not going to take that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because also too, like my hope is that they'll be a boss someday and remember right. how I treated them. And so, you know, and so on and so on and so on. I think that's the best way to to give is to show people that, you know, you can be kind and successful mm. at the same time. Because I think that's what, well, I learned a lot of things. Uh, Make it Ready Player One on the Spielberg movie. But I think the biggest thing I saw in, in Steven was that he was a giant that didn't make people feel small. Mm. Right. I mean, his family was on set, like, all the time he was so kind and so generous with everyone and patient and like loving and a good leader and never saw him lost his temper like that to me was such a huge takeaway i was like mm-hmm. oh this man could do whatever the heck he wants and say whatever he wants but he he knows that people are watching and i think he also was aware that people look up to him yeah and he's trying to show us the right way to go about it and and even though I always led with kindness and like that's just I don't know how I'm I'm just not that person, but I think what I saw him it was sort of validation of like okay, to, he he can be at his level and is being respectful and kind and genuine and sweet to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, then I can keep I can keep that up then too. Yeah, yeah no. that, you know and people gonna... won't mistake your kindness for weakness. Exactly, exactly. And I don't think anybody's is mistaking his kindness for weakness either. No. Um, but I just think. Yeah, because I see so many people that are not dealing with their trauma and they're taking it out on crews and writers' rooms and all that kind of stuff. And I just go like, I can't tell them how to be, but I can be who I am. And I and I think, I to me the goal is like if I can be super successful and show that I'm a kind, genuine human being, maybe people will look at that and go, let me start doing that then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes you a healer. 
And the Best other realm. people, we call them sorcerers. Mm, like you, in Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are you in Gryffindor or are you in Slytherin? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Alana would understand that reference and get her entire life. Well, hopefully we have some people that understand. <laughs> okay, what y'all got to have Alana do this. Oh, uh, shit. Definitely. Oh, we'd love to have Alana definitely. do this. Oh, she would be great. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk to her about crystals and all uh-huh. sorts of. We'll go. Because we'll here's the deal. Yeah. I'm basically dating the black female version of Brandon. Of course. <laughs> which is great. You know, and I'm out here trying desperately to be the black f- or the Latino, Latino male version of Lena Wade. Perfect. Well, you, we got, go. but you got to be the Latino gay Angel male Lopez. version of Angel Lopez. I'm here for it. You already doing it and yeah, you're bro. slaying and you're handling your business. Thank you, you. You're making it happen. I just need some new shoes. Now. And to, and Look, to shave we your head. We're going to get them. I'm going to shave that head. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Okay. All right. So I'm conscious that we probably need to bring this party to a close. But I before know. we do, I want to ask you one last question. Cool. And I want to ask you about your relationship with your ancestors, mm. because oh, I, I think ancestors. because I think that's a really powerful part of your practice. And I know that you invoke them or you think mm. about them and you Absolutely. feel them. And I was just wondering if you would talk about that a little bit. I just, you know, and it's interesting because Alana teases me a little bit. She's like, Lena, you love a slave movie. Here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> Look, I'm fascinated by it. OK, yeah. like the fact that I'm here because some strong, amazing phenomenal slave person, not even a slave, but a person, a human that was turned into a slave or made to believe that they were a slave, survived the Middle Passage. Mm. That's the only reason why I'm here right now. And so I come from a very resilient bloodline Mm -hmm. because that's a hard thing to survive. And I always say that if my ancestors could survive the Middle Passage, that making a movie is light work. Mm. So... For me, I try to be as free as I can because they were in bondage. And that is being happy, successful, and being able to live my life as I choose is an honor, is a tribute really to them because they didn't have that luxury. And so for any person who is a descendant of slaves um, or humans that were, again, made to believe that they were slaves— I think it's blasphemous to not live freely, Mm. to not live your life to its fullest potential, because the fact that they were not able to do that, I feel like we should do it um, for them. So that's really, I think, my deepest connection is just wanting to honor their lives by living mine to the fullest. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Oh, Lino, I love you so much. I love you. I love you. Love you. I love you guys. Thank you for gracing us with, with your wisdom and your uh-huh. presence coming into our spirit room. Yeah, yeah th- y'all set the y'all set the tone, man. I mean, you have the blood of Whitney running in your veins. Oof. I just have to tell you, you that do. just hit me. Mm-hmm. You have it. Come on, that's your queen mother. May she mm-hmm. rest. Yes. Mm-hmm. While she is looking down upon you, she is carry that torch. She's probably wearing a mint coat. Yes, um, she is. So we end every episode, I pull a tarot card. Yes. And I give it, but I'd actually like to get out from behind the microphone and let you pull it for okay. everybody. Would you be oh, willing to do that? Yes. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a first Shut on up, the spiritual gaze. Y'all have to have Alana. Brandon has never. I would like so listen to he it. He has never gone out of his chair. Shut up. Okay. So do I turn it over yeah, now? Turn it oh, okay, cool. Oh, go ahead. Nine of, what is that? I got you. Got me. Get me. <laughs> careful. Careful of Noche. 
Yeah, you you be what, the dude. What it. card is it? Selena pulled the nine of the nine of cups, which in this deck oh. is called the nine of chalices. Ooh. Oh. And this card, oh man, the cards never lie. This Oof. card is all about come on self satisfaction. And that thing that grows inside you when you're alone and you feel that connection and that ability to kind of like fill your own cup, like pouring into your own cup. So when mm. we look at this card, there's this guy and he's sitting alone on a bench, like looking out at sunset. And there are these nine cups that are kind of like forming this rainbow. But those mm. cups are like in his mind. You know, it's like it's those moments, those transcendent moments where you are feeling so connected to your own self but mm. also to like to the whole world through mm. your own self, you know, wow. like these these really full moments of solitude that aren't lonely at all. Oof, that's real. And the other thing that the Nine of Cups in like, like if I were like an old school, like gypsy tarot reader, I would say, well, this is the wish card and you get to make a wish. Mm, like yes. that's really what the Nine of Cups, you know, used to be back in the old day of tarot. Oh. Now I kind of like to think about it. It's like, well, the wish is that you are the power that brings you forwards, mm. but you make a lot of wishes mm. and those wishes come true. So I just want to offer, you know, this card resonates for anybody that listens to this podcast in a future place in time. And if you're listening to this, like you have that power, mm. you have the blood of Lena Waithe running in your veins. Yeah. So you can take that solitude, take that moment. You don't need anybody else outside yourself. You just need you and to find those connections, whether it's to your ancestors, whether it's standing in front of the ocean or looking up at the sky, but yeah. remembering like that's all at your disposal to help you bring whatever you have to bring forwards. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. That is beautiful. I received that. Yes, everybody get out there, make your wish. Yeah, make yeah, your wish. Make your wish. Oh, and then making keep making right it now. until it comes true. Keep I loved what you said about like, you know, it doesn't come easy, but you keep saying it. You keep claiming it. Maybe you get tested, but you keep saying, I want that. And eventually you break through. Yeah, and you do that work. It's, I really wish people knew, like, if you just... That's why I think vision boards are really dope and important. Like, if, like I, mind you, I've had, there's one that I won't throw away because there's something on it. Um, oh, because this is before I got cast on Master Number. I put, like, Netflix mm. on the thing. Um, I think Amy Poehler was on it. And I've sat with Amy and, like, her crew and had lunch with her since. And, like, just crazy stuff. Like... It, I won't throw it away. Like, it's crazy. Like, when I tell people, and I feel bad because I haven't made one in a while. I should, but like... It seems like you're doing okay. Yeah, let's... <laughs> yeah. Like, but we no, could man. have a vision board party. Seriously. Yeah. Like, I used to go to those and... Um, we should do one. Yeah, man, but I, I really believe in them. And I know some people are like, oh, it's kind of silly. But I, honestly, no, I get it. Like, it's like I, you're pulling stuff out of magazines and there's pictures and stuff. But I really do feel like... If you make one and you put it on your wall, like, and you look at it every day, you're telling yourself, like, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And even when you have a hard day or a night, there's a character in 20s who has a vision board. You know what I'm saying? She looks at it and she, you know, and I just think I, I really believe in them. And, and I hope people, if you don't have one, you should make one just for shits and giggles. And you'll be surprised that you look up a year mm -hmm. or two later what on that vision board came into your life. Yeah. And yeah. I think not just to remind yourself, my teacher always says about vision boards, he says, you're telling the universe very clearly what it is that you want. That's right. So it's like you're casting this spell Oof. that you're reminding yourself, but you're also saying to the universe, like, I know what I want. I'm being very clear here. Here are the pictures. Here are the words. Start to bring it to me. Yeah. You know? And I think, oh, yeah, that actually is so true. Because mm, when real. our wants are vague, when our dreams are vague, you know, the universe don't know what to do with you. It doesn't know what to give you. Mm -mm. It's like you wanted this yesterday, and you want this today. Like I'm, I'm busy. I can't, you know. That's what I also tell people too when I mentor. 
and I get it. There are people who are like, I want to do everything. And I go, mm-hmm. and therefore you will do nothing. Mm. If you want to, if you try to do everything, you will accomplish nothing. So I always say, pick a thing. Now you can, you can accomplish many things. And I'm aware, like I, I know I wear different hats, but the first hat I wore that I said, I'm not going to do anything else until I conquer this and was writing and, and obviously television right. writing. But I said, my, I say, when I say conquer, I mean like give yourself a, a, a goal. So for me with writing, I was like, I have to, I want to be staffed on a television show. That was my goal. I, once I got staffed, it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. But once I got staffed, I had this new envision, vision where I was like, okay, well now I've done that. What else do I want to accomplish? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw my body into producing Dear White People. And I took a year off after that year, first year of staffing. And that's what I went and did. And then I said, oh, well, accomplished that cool what else now you know and then acting sort of came through the universe and into my lap in a very interesting way but i can when you when you set a goal for yourself and you reach it then what happens is the universe then goes well now you need a new one like i always love what oprah says when people, people always say to her it was my dream it's always been my dream to meet you and she said well now you have so you have to come up with a new dream yeah dream a bigger dream uh, yeah it's always so that. great because some people always say it to oprah because like of course that's everybody's dream like i want to dream of me and she's like okay well now you have to dream something else mm-hmm. and i think of that like of your goal when you set a goal and you accomplish it set a new one that's what my dream is to have yep. a pajama party with oprah honey it is gonna happen a pajama like silk pajamas honey you ain't that far off from that i, don't I cannot so. wait for that I know. we're gonna like read tarot cards together snacks will be we're gonna like watch all oh, like just truffle I can't wait. truffle snacks. everything i mean oh. i hope i'm invited of course you're invited you're my you husband gotta go <laughs> and alana because you know alana's been over to the santa barbara estate oh, sure because of selma oh. she's been up there and it's apparently lovely. She's seen that tree. Oh, yeah, she has. That you, beautiful oak tree. You know, her. Oprah responded to, she, she, what, I commented on one of her posts about Whitney, of course, Whitney brought us together. And, and I made a little comment and she replied to it. <gasps> yeah, It was amazing. Uh, it was oh amazing. My God. I would have dropped the phone. Oh, honey. It was great. It was great. And she and I had met briefly before, but right. it was really sweet. She'd be on the comments. She'd be in there. It'd be her. And I was like, ooh. And I tried to, and I, I saw it too late. You tried to answer, and I was like, uh. "She asked me some questions. She's like, what do you think it is?' Right, so it was something, and I was like, uh, uh. day later, I don't know.'" <laughs> <laughs> All Queen right, well, this has been my favorite episode of Super Soul Sunday. Uh, everybody, don't yes, be jealous. So, other guests, don't be jealous. Lena, well, you know, you're an inspiration. You are all the time. Um, I'm just so grateful to have you in our lives, Aww. to have you as a friend. I'm gonna get emotional now. I just do. I'm just so proud of you. I love you. I'm and proud of you. you are doing. Thank you. Lynn. Um, our gazers should know how to find you, but if they don't, how do they find you? you Where they need to find look, you? Look, the publicist changed everything to my first and last name. I'm no longer Hillman Grad. I'm oh, Lena Waite yeah. on Twitter, on Instagram, um, and I'm on Facebook. You know, mm-hmm. I know I don't. I can't add any more friends, but like, if you can follow me, and I post stuff here and there. Um, and yeah, Grad has a network now yes, too. Yes, we do. Really cool. We do. We 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 have a website now. We're gonna start putting merch of our own awesome. up there, and all the money and proceeds will go to helping people take. Uh, we fund uh, television writing classes and and screenwriting classes. Um, and we also send books to folks who don't live in LA and things like that. Just learning tools and stuff. So, um, but yeah, the Grad Network is also a place you can upload your resume, and we'll we'll try to reach out. So, but that that link is in my bio on my Instagram. So you go to my Instagram, click Grad 
Democrat Network and go there. And, and we also, for people who do not live in L.A., we have a thing, uh, the site will take you to places where there's online classes and resources and things like that. So we're really proud of it. And we got some merch coming um, for folks to buy and the money will go to a really good cause. So, nice. so yeah, man, we're here. We want to help. Um, we want to make sure we're, we're a place where people can come and just try to figure out how they can break in. Because I think that's the biggest thing is folks not having access. So we really want to create as much access as we possibly can. It's amazing. It's awesome. So yeah, thank you to you, Lena. Thank yeah. you to Justin Sibian, who does all of our interstitial music on the podcast. Oh my God. Thank you to our neighbor, Carl, who sets up all of the technology that thank we you, need Carl. to make this all happen. Yeah, thank you, you can, to uh, you, oh, our oh. gazers. Yes, gazers. Please hey, write us in with questions, comments, shows mm. that you want to you know, hear us talk about. Yeah, you can dives. hit us up at um, thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. Love uh, it. Thespiritualgaze, J-O-Y-Z at Instagram, spiritualgaze, J-O-Y-Z on Twitter. Or check out our fresh website, thespiritualgaze.com. That's Love a it. thing too, people. Yeah. And you know, when the, when the, the link comes, hit, hit me and we'll put it all over everything. So yes. watch and listen. Yeah. 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 My followers will be very excited. I'm sure. <laughs> we got, we're at, we're, we're a little bit over half a mil at this point. Okay. And, half a mil. Yeah, man. Yes, and lady. we're building, we're like 525 technically, but like, we're trying to like, you know, we really want to have for me. And I forgot the followers of mine on Twitter, but we're really trying to create a community and not just folks are just like, it's just gaze right. and look and we're like, no, <laughs> like if you comment, I try to respond. I try to like, I try to retweet. I try to communicate because I really do feel like I want to be of the community and not yeah. just somebody the community looks at. So they know if you, if you follow me on Instagram, it's, it's, it's a, it's an, it's an interaction. So how is nothing passive about me in a way? No, gentlemen. Nah. That's very true. Never. Mars and Scorpio, right? Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah, we're getting to that later. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, until we meet again, until this next time. This has been your moment in the spiritual gaze. Perfect. Oh, we love you, Lena. I love you guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh. Thanks.